This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing high from ball! Go to right center! And the Braves have won it! There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. A walk-off homer from Freeman, and the Braves win it! He is! Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Braves Digital Media Content Manager, uh, alongside right here in the 1957 conference room in the offices at Truist Park, alongside uh, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. And uh, Greg, as I untangle my wires around (laughs) my headset here, (laughs) uh, really, really fun conversation. We just finished up downstairs. We're kind of uh, we're moving our studio, our mobile studio today from one room to another uh, to record this one in pieces uh, uh it's kind of fun we were just talking actually our very first interview we ever taped for this show wasn't our first episode of the day but the very first one we ever taped was in this room so it's kind of fun to flash back to almost three years ago when we were in here and i was a nervous wreck then not knowing <laughs> what i was doing but um no really fun conversation uh with one of your former teammates one of your fellow relief pitchers uh and really i love it how you guys get into this in the conversation a little bit too i mean you guys for a time were the eighth and ninth inning guys on some really really darn good teams on a on a world series winning team as a matter of fact so mark wallers uh still lives here in the atlanta area has a very successful real estate business with uh with his wife team wallers and um i'll tell you i was expecting because i never met him never met him before but i was kind of expecting well if he's a real estate agent it seems like he's he's pretty darn active and does a does really well with it uh, i was expecting him to be kind of not not salesy or salesmanish but pretty pretty loud you know and extroverted and he's actually he, he comes across he's not not soft-spoken necessarily but he was not not exactly what i was he did not he came across much differently than i thought and it was great it was really as soon as we we uh, stopped the as soon as he had left i was like man that was just a fun talk a fun <laughs> chat so i really enjoyed that and obviously you and him we didn't even get into it uh, much in the interview you said you even played with him where in, in puerto rico yeah Mm-hmm. Okay. Ball. So you you and him go way back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. yeah, we were in um, we were in Richmond together in AAA, and uh, then after that season in AAA, of course, you know he talks about it. he was up and down in '91 and '92, and in '92 we played together in uh, AAA, and we ended up asking us to go to. Um, excuse me, Puerto Rico for the winter to try to, you know, if you've done pretty well and you're kind of being looked at by the organization, they want you to continue on and play some in the winter. And Puerto Rico is one of those leagues where you have a lot of big leaguers, Juan Gonzalez and and guys like that who live down there, Javi Lopez. And um, it's just a good place to be able to play and kind of continue on. And and if you do well, um, 
then it, it can help you get into big league camp. And for me, it wasn't going to change how they felt about Mark. I think Mark, they knew, needed some you know maturity and consistency in his game. So they wanted him to keep pitching. You know, as relief pitchers, a lot of times you don't get a lot of games in the minor leagues. I mean, you're up and pitching, but it's not like you're logging a lot of innings. So it was a good chance for us to be able to go for me to face big league, some more big league hitters. You might face some during in AAA, but going to Puerto Rico, you're going to face a little bit. And it was a big stepping stone for me. Uh, for him, I'm not real sure. Uh, we didn't, Like I said, we didn't get to talk about it, but that was our, our chance to get to uh, talk with him a little bit more about um, – you know his his journey to the big leagues and but yeah so we I remember him being in the minor leagues and him trying to make his his way up to the big leagues and solidifying his spot in the bullpen and that didn't really happen until '95. He is still, which is pretty amazing. You think about it uh, in the era in which he played, he's still one of the. I mean, as far as the hardest throwing, has one of the fastest recorded pitchers mm-hmm. ever in the history of Major League Baseball still today. And I just can't imagine what was that like, you as a fellow pitcher, a fellow reliever at that time, to watch him throw. Just, I mean, it's still amazing to me to watch a guy throw 100 now, but it's it's not as it's certainly not rare like it used to be. What was it like to see a guy that could have the potential to hit what 103 mm-hmm. on the gunner did hit? Uh, yeah. like, uh, like I mean, for you as a relief pitcher, well, fellow reliever, what was that like watching? Yeah, him it was throw? it was pretty pretty wild obviously i didn't have that in the tank and i was around some guys who threw pretty hard like steve bedrosian and and john smoltz and of course mark threw harder than all of them and he you know he he was a big guy stood tall had tremendous leverage but just had an incredibly live arm but he also threw three pitches Mm -hmm. but what people don't realize is that he not only threw a fastball but he had command of three pitches he threw a split he threw a slider and he threw a fastball and he could throw all three of them at any time typically most most closers are just you know relying on one pitch but um, that's what made him so amazing is that he could blow it by guys. And that's back when, you know, the guns were registering. If you were, if it registered 88, you know, to 90, that was pretty good. And for him to be 10 plus miles an hour over that uh, was pretty incredible. And, and, of course, you know, he was just a it was just a freak. You know, it's kind of like we looked at Mariano Rivera with his cutters and how he threw in 97 mile an hour cutters and 96 and and those kind of things. He was just unique. And that's one thing I loved about our staff is that we had a lot of different types of pitchers. You know, for, what was crazy about it, I'd go out there and I'd throw change-ups for two innings, and then Mark would come in throwing 103, you know. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> we couldn't have been any different. And and I think that's why our combo uh, kind of was fun because we were just so on top two, two totally different sides of the spectrum. Yeah, you'd go from – Maddox, Glavin, or Smoltz to you throwing changeups for an inning to Wallers throwing 103 for mm-hmm. an inning and and that's why you that's and, how you win 9500 games every year right? yeah and you know? and then you brought in Brad Klontz who was throwing submarine you right know, he was throwing down there so I, I loved I loved that part of the game when you have a bunch of different people doing the job as opposed to everybody coming in throwing four seamers at 98 miles an hour with a cutter I mean <clears throat> I don't like that as much just because it just seems like um, 
it's not as unique. I like seeing the different. Right, I loved having a knuckleballer on the staff, a guy that could come in and and that was you know start one start. Like I would love to see Nuxie pitch, and watch guys swing at knuckleballs for a game, and then turn around and have to face Smoltzy the next day. Right. I mean, right. That, would right. Be, yeah. that would be uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, you can probably get them in the same rotation on MLB the Show. That'd be <laughs> yeah, fun. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, this was a really fun time with with Mark Wallers again. Check out his uh, his real estate business team wallers markwallers.com uh he's he's he can tell he's enjoying what he's doing now mm-hmm. uh and then and, and he's successful because of that so uh really enjoyed this time with him without further ado here he is mark wallers mark gets the sign the wind and the pitch here it is swung fly ball deep left center grissom on the run yeah Good to see you, buddy. Thanks, Mac. Um, thanks for coming down and uh, making the Atlanta trek. Um, you're busy these days because you're always in the car, as much like most real estate agents, right? You live out of your car? Well, I do, yeah. I've <laughs> got my iPad with me all the time, cell phone going. Um, you, you know, it's always charged. But, yeah, definitely in the car a lot. Um, yeah. Well, in Atlanta, we're in the car anyway. And uh, doing a <laughs> podcast, Ricky and I, we kind of encourage that because that's typically where people get their podcasts. You know, they, they uh, listen to them in the car. And we've seen a little bit that that's changed because everybody's working from home. But we hope that... The the commute will crank back up. Get back on the roads. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the only man in Atlanta saying, just go get back on the roads, everybody. Go yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Well, um, when I was looking back at your career, some of the things I didn't know, and and I wanted to ask you about something you probably don't even remember back when I was first starting with the organization. Um, but I was amazed at, well, first of all, we were both in the 88 draft, which you may not have remembered. Of course, you were out of high school. I was out of college. But... Uh, but being a Northeastern guy, we've had – the Braves have had a history of Northeastern guys. I mm-hmm. mean, you think about Pete Smith, think about Glav, yourself, right. uh, a number of guys from up there. And, and I had a discussion the other day with a friend of mine who's in kind of the scouting college baseball, and he brought up an interesting point about a lot of the young pitchers. And, and I think the discussion started because Glav's brother – is at uh, one of the colleges, a Division One school in uh, around Boston, and he has a lot of talent, you know. And he's he just missed out on going to the College World Series. He, I think he was in the Super Region or, or one of the regions. And uh, we had the discussion about pitchers from the Northeast, right? And um, I think about Mike Soroka as Canadian, and and some of the other guys that we've had. But uh, he made an interesting observation. He said, you know, a lot of those kids. They're not from the south, right? Southeast where they're playing all the time. But up there, I mean, you're playing hockey and you're playing baseball. And you're not playing baseball, you know, four seasons a year. Do you think there's something to that? Yeah, without a doubt. Because I've seen what travel ball can do to uh, pitchers down here. And, you know, I could see how parents and – just like focus their kid on one sport, you know, and if it's that, if it's baseball, they're playing, you know, at least three seasons out of the mm-hmm. year, if not year round. And 
if they're not playing, then they're training for it. And I just think it's too much. It's something that we didn't do growing up. I mean, I mean, I remember my first month of practicing high school, we were in the gymnasium because there was snow on the ground, you know, so there's only so much stuff that you could do. And we just didn't have a lot of wear and tear in our arms like some of these guys down here um, hmm. who are throwing – you know, however many – my son, when he was 10 years old, we tried we, play, we tried playing travel ball. And he had like over 50 games that summer. And he was just like well, – we were like, what the heck is this? You know? it was To me, it was just too much. And I really think you uh, become a better athlete no matter what you're doing if you play multiple sports. Whether it's, you know, basketball, soccer, football, hockey, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it's an advantage or a disadvantage. But there have been some pretty good arms that have come out of the Northeast. Yeah, and I and I want to specifically talk about your story because obviously going through the Braves system, I went through the Indian system and then through the Braves system, and I knew of your story. We ended up playing a little bit Puerto Rico together, right. and then in the big leagues uh, a lot. But before that, the story was that you coming out of high school, you know, you were throwing eighty five miles an hour, and then all of a sudden you woke up one day and you were throwing a hundred. <laughs> and so, but what's interesting based on what you're just saying about the um, about being from the Northeast. You didn't play a lot. You didn't pitch a lot. Right. And so you you coming out of high school may be different from the kid coming out of high school in the South where you needed a little bit more time to develop. Because, I mean, you're a big guy, right? I mean, right. you're 6'5", right? 6'6"? 6'4". 6'4", okay. Uh, <laughs> and and so th- that might have been a part of your development that you developed a little bit later. But, I mean, tell me a little bit about that story because I don't know if Ricky's heard it about kind of your transition in the yeah, minor leagues. Yeah, I was, I was probably mid-80s maybe a little bit upper 80s guy coming out of high school maybe touched 86 or 87 and you know I just think once I got into professional baseball and you're at the baseball field more and getting in a long toss program those are things we never did growing Mm. up you know I mean I I think my summer league we played like 20 games and like maybe 15 in high school so we played 35 games a year that was it and if we made the playoffs great and you know you get into minor league baseball I mean that's that's like five weeks (laughs) you know and so so um yeah, so I mean, coming out of high school, I was probably mid-80s guy, but I had horrible mechanics, horrible mechanics, but I had a good frame, obviously, and, you know, the potential was there, obviously, that the scouts had seen, and I just got hooked up with a great pitching coach in the minor leagues, and we basically started from the feet up and, you know, made sure everything was in line and going towards home play because I had a really tough problem throwing across my body. Mm. And it probably took a, a solid, you know, three quarters of a minor league season to transform and put everything together. Because we, I would play long toss. I mean, the coach's name was Matt West. We would play long toss, and I could throw it on the line from, you know, center field to the foul line. Um, but getting on a mound, you know, we just had to, like, transfer that mm-hmm. there. And it took a little bit because – but, you know, we ended up getting there. And like you said, you know, I probably gained, you know, 12, 13, 14 miles an hour on my fastball. But a lot of it was building up arm strength that I didn't that I didn't build up growing up because I didn't throw as much. And then just straight mm-hmm. on my mechanics. Had, had you – I read somewhere, and it's on the Internet, so I'm always leery of what I read on the Internet. But uh, I had read Well, some, I believe everything I read on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, everything on the Internet is true. Abraham Lincoln said that. Um, <laughs> um, I had read that you had committed to play for, for University of Maine. I did high school, but then you ended up getting drafted by the Braves. Was there a hard decision there? To no, just, no. Decided to go. To me, it was a no-brainer. I mean, I, I had a scholarship offer, you know, a full ride to go to the University of Maine. The late mid to late '80s, Maine was like a, a powerhouse up in the Northeast. You know, they had mm-hmm. gone to the College World sure. Series a little bit, so I was kind of fired up to, 
you know, be in that environment and have the potential, um, you know, to play for that program. But I've always dreamt of being a professional baseball player. And as soon as that phone rang and it was the, you know, Paul Rick Arena, the area scout for the Braves that told me they had drafted me, you know, I, I mean, one of the first thoughts afterwards mm-hmm. was, okay, I got to call John Lincoln's up at Maine and tell him I'm not going because it was a dream. And, um, you know, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. So I knew, <laughs> you know, I knew, um, I mean, my lifelong dream was sitting right in front of me, and I wasn't going to let it pass by. Mm, that's awesome. I, I was that was one of my list was getting drafted. What was that like? And I can tell just from the way you're talking, that was just that was it. That had to be one of the big, biggest days of your life. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was. And you know, even though you know we've had some good arms coming up in the Northeast, you know, in Massachusetts and Western Mass, Matt Murray was in that draft also, and then Turk Wendell. Um, with the Braves, but you know, I didn't really know those guys or how the whole process worked because there weren't a lot of guys prior to me that had been through the whole getting drafted or anything. So I really didn't even know. You know, I knew the draft was going on, and I just happened to be home that time when the phone rang and the and it was the Braves calling that said said that they had selected me, but. You know, I mean, I had an idea it was going to happen. Had no idea what round it was going to be or anything like that. But you know, I was I was pretty fired up. Where was where was the first minor league stop for you? Pulaski, Virginia. Okay, right. That's see, that's <laughs> culture right. shock. Oh my gosh. That's, hey, it, it had to be. You know, you're talking to a hillbilly from Virginia. First, yeah. of I'm all. Uh, I'm from. Uh, so he knows a, Pulaski well. About, about an hour and a half, two hours north of Pulaski. <laughs> okay. And, uh, grew up in. Actually, my dad won a NASCAR race in Pul- at Pulaski County Speedway wow. in the, around 1988 or 89. Good old Appalachian League. I'm, oh, yeah. 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 Okay. That's yeah. crazy. Well, was Abe 87 or 88? Abe was 88 also. 80, okay. That's yeah. what I thought because I remember him coming out. and Yeah. And that was a culture shock because, I mean, I thought, you know, you come out of high school, you think, you know, you're the biggest fish in the small pond and everything, and you're you're walking tall and proud and stuff. And I remember Avery joined us. I think we were in <laughs> Bristol, Tennessee. I think that I think that's where the Tigers uh, minor league uh, team was. Yeah. And Avery joined us there, and he did a bullpen session. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, it was just like I had never seen anything like that live in yeah. person. You know, I, I grew up poor, never went to the – you know, never went to Fenway or anything to watch the Sox or anything. So that was the first time I saw somebody throw the ball with that type of stuff. And I was like – Man, what the hell did I do? I should have went to Maine. <laughs> you know? This guy's in rookie league. Are you kidding me? I can't imagine what the next yeah. guys at the next few levels are at. So it was just, it was extremely eye opening, you know? Well, um, and we'll, we'll talk about this, but, uh, you know, you had the third highest recorded fastball ever, 103 miles an hour. Yeah. So going from where you were and then seeing your development and, and now, now you, you know, you're in a different career. You've, you have plenty of chances to look back over. How do you feel about your career? Well, I mean, I think a lot of us, I mean, just, you know, alumni weekend wasn't too long ago. So we always talk about the times and, you know, I, I think what happened in my career makes me the person that I am today. Would I have done things differently? Absolutely. Mm. You know, absolutely. I mean, guys weren't in the gym and conditioning themselves back in the day like they are today, you know. And I wish I would have probably paid more attention to conditioning. Um, but, you know, obviously there were some certain pitches back in the day that I would, that would have liked to have I've taken back. But, you know, all in all, the things I've went through in my career is, you know, Helped developed me into the person I am today, and hmm. you know, do I have some regrets? Yeah, maybe a couple or a little bit. You know, maybe some bad decisions I might have made, but for the most part, you know, I I, I played the game with integrity. I never I played in the steroids era. Never even saw steroids in person, so hmm. never cheated or anything like that. Never used 
sticky grip or whatever the heck they're doing today. <laughs> you know, so I thought I played the game right. You know, I thought I was a team player, played to win. Winning was important to me. And, you know, so I don't really have, I don't really have any regrets. But, yeah, there's certain things along the way, like, you know, conditioning and, you know, diet and stuff like that that I probably wish I would have been more in tune with at the time. Mm. Yeah, I play that game sometimes where <clears throat> I'll lay in bed and start to daydream, you know, before I go to sleep or I wake up thinking about, okay, look at my life now. And if, if there was something I changed along the way, it would make me different today. And the circumstances would be different. And, and some, and I just have to sit there and say, you know what? I wouldn't change a thing as much right. as there were, there were hard times. Uh, there were things that you wished would have been different, but would I change who I am today? And, you know, for that. And, and I, my answer is always no, right. because I look at my kids, I look at my wife, I look at my job and, and just the things that I'm doing now. And I know I'm a product of everything that happened to me, good and bad. Absolutely. And we know we live in a world where there's no, just everything's good, right? right. There's going to be good and bad. Everybody experiences it. And yep. so, but that's easy to do as a ball player, right? There's a pitch, there's a, uh, you know, the way I treated my body here or the way I trained here. I mean, right. we can go back and do that and regret our whole, you know, oh, yeah. everything that we do. Yeah. And, but it's easy to fall into that trap. And, and so a lot of times I ask uh, guys that about how they felt, how they feel about their career, because, you know, we all um, look back and see different things. Right. And, uh, you know, I see the time we had playing together. And um, I think about Steve Bedrosian and how you <laughs> and I would try to wrestle him and get him down. And he would pin both of us. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was just a beast yeah. <laughs> and just how much fun we had and the oh, guys yeah. we get, we came across. And okay. But, it, you know, I just I think about those relationships and just how much I appreciate still being connected with you guys and, right. and bringing everybody together. And you brought up Alumni Week. That's a perfect example. The podcast is another example where Ricky and I, Ricky gets to live some of these relationships that we have with the organization mm -hmm. and the players and how special they are and fun and for the fans to be able to hear them and stuff. It's just a, it, 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 it really, I look back and I have really good memories, even though I know it wasn't all rosy. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as, as I would imagine most major league ball players or, or ball players at you know at, at a young age they dream about getting to the big leagues you know and to fulfill that dream it's kind of hard to have any regrets whether you're mm. up here for a cup of coffee or you're up here like Chipper Jones and heading to Cooperstown yeah. you know what I mean you have a dream I had a dream as a you know seven or eight year old the first time I stepped on a baseball field to pitch in the big leagues and I fulfilled that dream you know so um, you know so you really can't have any regrets you know and there's a lot of things in my career. That I'm extremely proud of, you know, like coming back from not being able to hit the broadside of a barn, you know what I mean? And, right. and then getting traded to the Yankees and approving that trade to the Yankees and, you know, basically going back to the scene of the crime, you know, over overcoming that hurdle. So, yeah, there are a couple of things that I regret in my career that I wish I would have done differently, but there's a, there's there's way more positive things that I'm more proud of than, than regrets. Yeah, that's great. Well, people who've been listening to us for the three years we've been doing this show now have, have heard me talk about this, but I, growing up as a kid in Virginia, eight years old in 1991, 
and that being the only ball games that were on TV in Virginia mm-hmm. or in a lot of places at that point, those 91 Braves, that was the team that got me into watching baseball and becoming a fan of baseball. So I have very special fond memories of that team and those early teams, the 90s teams that you both were on. Right. But I wanted to ask you about, and, and you got called up late that season, make your debut, and then you're part of a no-hitter. <laughs> I don't even know if it was a month in. Right. And then you get to be part of that 91 worst to first team. Just what do you remember about that 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 late summer of 91 and joining that team and making your debut all of it i mean yeah so um i mean from a personal standpoint obviously my debut I, you know I, I debuted coming in with two outs in the ninth inning with a runner on third base in, in san <laughs> wow. diego you know and, and being able to you know get through that and have a first save the thing i remember the most though that was really impactful for me was you know the leadership that terry pendleton provided you know because you never see that you know, like coming up in the minor leagues because uh, especially you get to like double a and triple a it's almost like you know it's like survivor you're on a team and then you you get down to the last 10 and it's okay everybody for themselves when you get to like double or triple a it's like yeah i hope you do well but if that phone rings i hope it's for me to get the called mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and i just really remember um terry pendleton like having team meetings and just seeing what a true leader is because i never really experienced that before and that terry he just really really and that was the year he won mvp but he was more of um um I mean, just just his leadership, him and Glavin as well, but more so Terry than anyone, how he just brought us together and kept us focused and kept us in line. And I was just like, holy crap, you know, just to be around somebody mm. with those qualities. And, you know, I, th- I really think that for some of us young guys, it really just kind of helped shape our career, you know, and what to expect, you know, later on from mm-hmm. from as a from as a player and, and what the organization expects. For, you know, the Braves had high expectations and demanded a lot from their players. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with the Terry's leadership and Sid Bream and Raphael Belliard and Charlie Libre, some of those veteran guys they brought over that year. Yeah, they um, they I felt the same way about them. Seeing that kind of that kind of leadership that was displayed from Bobby on down, and um, as a as a ball player, you know, so many times we're we're asked to do things. But it's usually from the top, you know, it's from the manager. But when you have those guys that are actually there with you on the field and they're taking charge of it, and especially as a young ball player, it really sets a different type of tone. People ask me all the time, and of course, you know, Terry's in our Hall of Fame and, and he works for us, and so we still, we're still connected. And, you know, um, I, I look back and really appreciate, um, you know, his leadership as well as, because it was kind of an extension, whether it was Sid kind of mentoring us or, right. you know, Steve and, you know, bedrock in the bullpen and jay howell and jay howell yeah i mean we just uh, i was the only rookie on the team in in 93 when we broke camp and i just knew what how important it was for me because i was just like you know you can be a deer in headlights at times when you're in the big leagues and not knowing you got these guys have been there for 10 years and world series you know and i i think i was wanting to ask you about your your um, career too because i mean it's amazing you were in five different world series (laughs) so 91 92 95, 96, and then you got to go back with the Yankees in 99. No, 2001. I'm sorry, 2001. Yeah, right, the right. Braves were 99 um, against the Yankees. But, um, I mean, that's that's incredible. I mean, you look at your postseasons that you had for all those years, and you had great numbers. I mean, your numbers were outstanding in the postseason. Some people go their whole career, and they don't they don't even sniff the World Series or even the playoffs. Right. And here you look at that. Um, that just in and of itself just – tells me a lot about who you were as a pitcher but then also your experience in the big leagues because that you know we all talk about getting the big leagues but once we're there we want to 
go to the playoffs. We want to win a World Series and being a part of that. And so I wanted to ask you about um, the 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 playoffs and how your experience in 91 then you got sent down 92 then you got sent down and then you know, I mean it wasn't it, it looked looks great now when you look back at it but those were some tough times for you real tough times really yeah long drives back and forth to Richmond um, you know 92 and 93 and it, it was a struggle you know because I mean you know coming up here in Atlanta being a young relief pitcher you know I can't complain because I always had plenty of opportunities and I never took advantage of some of those opportunities early in my career and you know there was a lot of high expectations on our team you know to get to the playoffs and be successful and you know especially 93 going neck and neck with the Giants you know and and how important it was down the stretch to win every single game I mean there were some stretches I'd go you know 15 16 games without even touching the field Mm. you know and you know when I did get out there you know I didn't produce or do well and take advantage of it so it was it was what do they say? What if it doesn't break you, makes you stronger, or something like yeah. that? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think a few of us that were on that train back and forth to Richmond, uh, you know, we felt like the Incredible Hulk sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, but I think it made me appreciate the times that you know I I did get to finally when I did break camp and I was able to, um, y- you know feel like I was part of the major league team or I had confidence leaving camp that I was going to be uh, on the big league roster. So I don't ever think it made me appreciate being up here and not take it for granted. And the same thing goes with the playoffs. You know, I, I was never, you know, you break camp at the Braves in the nineties, you have a pretty good feeling you're going to the playoffs, but I don't think any of us ever took it for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, we never just like coasted a little bit, maybe a little bit. I'm not saying we took it for granted in 93, but maybe we were a little bit on cruise control and we really had to kick it into high gear to try to catch the giants, which we finally did. And I think we were out of gas by the time the playoffs rolled around but um we just never took it for granted mm. you know we always saw what that big prize what big prize was in the Braves front office John Scherholz and Dean Taylor you know they were real cautious who they brought in that clubhouse mm-hmm. and they brought in good people that weren't cancers in the clubhouse that wanted to win so it was a great environment to be around mm. so I, I was I, I pride myself on this show for trying to ask questions that I don't think are the typical questions I guess would get uh, so I had originally written down um, how often do you get asked about the, the the last out of the 95 World Series as a not so clever way of just saying asking you about the last out of the 95 World Series <laughs> so but I just realized I try to represent the fan side of things and the fan side of me because I've just I've watched that I watched it live I've seen it a zillion times and never gets old hearing skips call hearing the right. tv call watching it never gets old to me right i'm still 12 years old watching that in my at my grandparents house when i see it so as the person who i've seen in that replay a zillion times what do you remember about that night and how that i just can't imagine greg and i have talked about being a relief pitcher you know for hours and hours on this show and not on this show just at lunch and wherever but in that moment i can't imagine how, how, what that felt like how what did that feel like you know I was surprised at how calm I was coming into the game um, you know when Bobby calls down or Leo calls down and says you know Waller's got the ninth I, I, I just I, I remember just feeling a sense of calm over me you know like okay you know you know you, you get to the point whether at any professional sport where they say you can slow the game down a little bit and I really felt like I was in that frame of mind where you know I was in control I knew what I was going to do and I was just going to go get three outs and you know so part of it was like probably playing down you know how or playing down the hype of the game you know internally and I think that helped me you know perform that night um but I, th- I guess, you know, that night, game six, I mean, it's hard not to overlook, 
what what Tommy did. <laughs> you know, that right. was I mean, people don't remember I mean Tommy was a great pitcher, but that was a heck of a lineup Cleveland put out there. You know, one through nine, they were tough. Mm. You know, it was probably it was definitely the toughest lineup we had seen all season long. And you know, I'll say it now, I'll say it then that you know, Glavin was by far the most mentally tough pitcher I've ever played with or mm. person that I played with. You know, I mean there's guys that Smolsey probably had the best stuff and Maddox was probably the smartest, but for that one guy to be on the mound in a mentally tough situation, I mean Glavin was the guy mm. and it was a perfect spot for him and you know I was just you know I was kind of surprised he didn't go back out there for the ninth but I wasn't like oh my gosh I gotta go pitch tonight you know I was just okay here's here's the opportunity yeah. let's go well that wasn't the only time that happened I mean we there were so many games where we didn't I mean we came in the game I remember typically if we used three pitchers a ninth that was a lot you know right. I would at least that season I'd pitch the eighth you'd pitch the ninth yeah or I'd pitch the seventh and the, you know part of the eighth and you'd pitch part of the eighth and the ninth I mean that happened in in 90 in 95 and it happened in 96 and when I look at those teams I think there was no better our bullpen didn't click any better than those two years yeah. and we had the numbers to show for it but mm-hmm. um, but it just the the starter would go seven and then sometimes they'd go nine right but or sometimes they'd go eight and then you'd pitch the ninth but it wasn't like they ever went five no. and six no. and we had to use five relievers Smoltzy before every start at home because he'd have to pass my locker before he went down to warm up he said okay well me and you tonight basically mm-hmm. I'll go eight you go one mm-hmm. you know and Glavin was the same way yeah. you know you just figured those guys were going seven eight innings every single mm-hmm. night yeah. you know there was no five and diving no, you know no. and if they did come out after five they were upset oh they, they were embarrassed yeah, if they, they came out after six. I mean, right. The quality start back then was you had to go seven at least. Yeah. And if those guys were expecting, they didn't want it in anybody else's hands. Right. And themselves. this is guys who had, you know, long term deals, had one Cy Youngs, had all the accolades already, and they're still competitive as heck and wanted mm-hmm. to go out there and finish what they started. That's and, right. You, know, so you don't see that a whole lot today. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah it's just, a, <laughs> you know, different mentality. They're not grooming them to do that. No. You know, they're grooming them to go five as hard as they can go, and they're like sprinters. Yep. They're really pitching like relievers, if right. you think about it. Yeah, they really are. Except that they're relieving for five innings, yep. right? And that's, that's that's really what's different about it today. And it's not their fault. It's neither good nor bad. It's just that's what they're asking them to do. Right. So, But you get a lot more pitchers in the game now. So you don't have those middle guys that are just sitting for, like you said, sometimes uh, you'd sit for eight or nine days and wouldn't pitch, especially <laughs> on those teams. Right. And sometimes twice as long as that. Yeah, you know? yeah. And right. it would happen. And I, and I wasn't alone. You know, I mean, it certainly happened to me, but there was other guys in the same boat you know you got i think about marvin you know yeah. freeman you know and he was a bit long guy yep. and he there was long stretches when he didn't pitch yeah i remember, I remember randy st Clair. you know mm-hmm. he'd come up here he wouldn't pitch for three weeks because his job was to be the long man <laughs> and, right. you know we <laughs> really right. didn't that role didn't really come up that often we've we've been fortunate to have a lot of greg's uh former teammates on on behind the braves but i believe if i'm not mistaken uh this is the first time we've had a fellow relief pitcher that was on a on a team with you i think if I remember um, right. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, it could be. Could be. I don't yeah. know. Jay, uh, maybe. Yeah, that's right. We Jay. Had, we I'm had, sorry. We had okay. Hebes on. That's oh. right. Okay, we did have Jay. That's, that's right. awesome. I uh, love Jay. Yeah. Well, what was? What do you remember about being a teammate with Greg McMichael? Harry McMichael, I should say. <laughs> this, is, this is a great story. Okay. okay. This is the best story I can have for Greg McMichael is um, everybody knows Leo Mazzoni. Leo's an intense guy. He thinks he's like Lou Holtz on the baseball field. <laughs> he really does. He Good just, analogy. You know, he just get in your face, rah, 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 you know. Maybe maybe one or two cuss words a day or something like <laughs> well, that. That's it. You know, but I mean, so, you know, one of Leo's things was we threw a lot. We we threw bullpens every single day. You know, if you needed work, you were on the mound throwing a bullpen. You weren't just playing catch in the outfield. 
And I used to love watching guys throw, no matter who it was, because I felt like I could always pick something up uh, or, you know, whether it was a starter, a reliever, or anything. So I'm, I was standing behind Leo, you know, just listening to what he would say to other pitchers and stuff. So Max, Max throwing a bullpen uh, before the game, and Leo's like, rah, 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 rah. and Max just, like, takes the ball, turns around and says, Leo? That does absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> and and, and Leo had this insp- expression on like just like he had just seen a ghost. You know, because that was like his form of coaching was like yeah. intimidation. He tried to fire you up and get, get you on the mound and get you pissed off and, you know, rah, rah, you know, like you're going to run through a wall. And Mac turned around and said, Leo, does absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, Mac is the nicest, calmest guy, you know, doesn't get too high, though, just real even kill. And he's just like, I've never seen like Leo get put in his place like that before. <laughs> it was awesome. That's you know? great. But Mac was great. Mac was a great teammate. And, you know, I, I know Mac when, you know, like you said, he came with, he broke the camp uh, together in 93. And I know you hit it off really well with Jay Howes, you know, some of the veteran guys mm-hmm. and Steve Bedrosian. And uh, I think it really served him well. You know, Mac, Mac closed a lot of games out for the Braves too and got a lot of big outs for us and, and pitching a lot of big ball games too. So, you know, having that veteran leadership around I, definitely helps all of us. Mm-hmm. But I know you know mac i think attached to those guys pretty pretty strongly out of spring training mm-hmm. that year and they those guys were great they were helpful to all of us you know i remember walking up the hallway and you know bedrosian yelling keep pushing you know <laughs> you know whatever right. it, it was awesome Put some man. more powder on your hair funny man oh yeah <laughs> they, those guys just can't you know <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> let me tell you a quick uh bedrosian story real quick i remember we started the year out i think we were out in san francisco in one of the first series and bedrock's pitching and we're in extra innings so we're out there and it's like the bottom of the 10th or bottom of the 11th and bedrock goes out there the first pitch gives up a game-winning home run to matt williams you know <laughs> so when you lose you're on the bus you don't you, you can't you can hear a pin drop you know so we're all upset you know we lost the game you know one pitch you know extra inning first pitch extra you know matt williams hits a home run so we're sitting in the back of the bus and we're like halfway back to our hotel from san francisco and bedrock yells yells from the back of the bus which nobody does hey leo what was my pitch count today? <laughs> you know? and the whole bus just started cracking up, but it was just like you know, and you needed guys like that to be like, hey, you know what? It's one game out of 162. Let's not make it seem like you know we just lost. Do you remember that? It was just awesome. oh yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, is that that was that was um, bedrock after 15 years in the big leagues. Right. If right. it had been his first year, he would have been tearing up half that bus. You oh, know? oh right, and right. Just yeah. how he had changed. Oh yeah. You know, he's notorious for tearing up toilets and, you know, (laughs) I mean, he was, he was, uh, he was special. God, yes, he was. He was awesome. (laughs) But that was just another, another Northeastern guy. Yeah, Bedrock. Yeah, he's from He could throw it through a wall. Yeah. And he could run through a wall too. Yeah. (laughs) He probably still could. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. Well, tell us a little bit about what you got going on these days. Well, um, you know, a few, probably like it's been 10 years now, I think that I've had my real estate license. So I've been, um, you know, selling real estate, which is a great, you know, great right and now. And with your wife, right? Yeah, she has her license too. And, okay. um, you know, I'm, I'm, she, I'm, I'm, I'm more active than she is right now, but she still has her license and she does a lot of networking and, you know, help bring in clients and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's been really rewarding. It's been, um, I've really, really enjoyed it. You know, the market in Atlanta has just been on fire lately, you know, whether you're buying or selling and, you know, um, been with Keller Williams now for quite some time. It's a great company, you know, great um, leadership in the company. And, you know, um, I couldn't be happier, you know. And if you knew me, 
you would probably think, okay, being in sales or real estate, this is probably not the job for Mark because I'm much more of an introvert than an extrovert. But um, I really, it, it's it's uh, it's it's been great. I enjoy it. I enjoy helping people. And you know, you work with that first time home buyer one time. You give them the keys at closing just to see yeah. their eyes light up. You know, it's it's a pretty special moment for them. I mean, that's their World Series. You yeah, know? So, that's great. Yeah, that's great. And so, if people want to be on Team Woolers. Yeah, I mean, go. they can go to you know markwollers.com or majorleague.homes. You know, nice. I've got that website. It's just majorleague.homes. It's a good market right now, right? It's a great market. <laughs> it really is. And, uh, you know, everybody's saying, oh, it's such a seller's market. It's a great time to sell. But, I mean, the reason it's a great time to sell is because there's so many people that are that are taking advantage of the interest rates and that are buying, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, we have a lot of people coming from the Northeast in California, you know, coming down here, buying a lot of stuff sight unseen. They just want to get out of that, wow. get, get out of those areas. So. You know, it, it is. I mean, and sometimes some of the uh, more difficult things is finding your buyer a house, you know, because they're going in multiple offers and, you know, you got to get you got to get to them quickly. But, you know, that's part of the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I follow you on Instagram. It's M underscore Wallers, if I'm not mistaken, right, on right, Instagram. Right, yeah. And I see you post a lot of like homes and yeah. and stuff you're doing on there. But one thing I loved uh, that you posted recently, actually, it was the day I was also uh, in the suite with my uh, fiance and her parents. Uh, you popped in there and you posted on Instagram a picture of, uh, I, I loved that your caption, you were talking about how you were so excited that your daughter <laughs> wanted to come with you to the ballpark. Right. And then you, it was a picture of the two of you. And then you posted another picture of her talking with Denny Nagel's son. Right. Then I found out. Turns out he was actually she was actually talking with Denny's son, and maybe that was why she wanted to come yeah. was to hang out with Denny's son. Yeah, was, and I just lo- I, I got such a kick out of that picture. Yeah, it was, it was so funny. funny. Yeah, it was that Sunday of Alumni Weekend, and um, you know my wife my wife called. I, I was leaving the gym. My wife said, you know, me wants to go to the game with you tonight because she knew I had to come down here. And um, I said, yeah, that's fine. That's weird or whatever. And then <laughs> as it turned out, you know, Friday and Saturday night during Alumni Weekend, um, Denny Nagel's uh, son Chase and her started talking a little bit so mm. i think they had a little little weekend you know <laughs> i mean she's only 15 or you know so yeah. a little weekend how you doing you know yeah so, it was, it was cute it was fun he's a good Den, uh, denny's a great guy and his son chase is a good kid so mm-hmm. and, they, and i think i believe they still talk so that's oh, cool. good oh that's cool well that's I, I enjoy following you on there and i enjoy seeing what uh again i was telling you before we started my fiance just is selling her house now so i'm learning about all of this this real estate stuff i've mm. never been a long time renter so it's really inter- interesting and uh yeah yeah, Team Wallers. There you there go. You go. Well, hey, appreciate you coming down, and it's fun catching up. And yeah. um, and I know you're real involved in what we do, and you've been in, uh, been coming down to Alumni Weekend, Alumni Sundays, uh, all kinds of stuff. So we yeah. appreciate you. Well, I'll tell you what, Max, connected. speaking for the alumni, um, you know, we appreciate what you do, you know, because prior to you becoming in this role, we never got together. Mm. And, you know, what you've done, you know, it's great for the fans because, you know, you, you put on a lot of events that, you know, they can come out and we can we can connect with them but more you know just as important is you know the the reconnecting that you've provided us mm-hmm. with uh, with former players and stuff like that so we're grateful for what you do yeah. too buddy thank you it's fun yeah. it's fun and um because we got a lot of shared history and yeah. it's a good history so Absolutely. it's uh it's fun to be able to connect with guys and so see where everybody is and fortunately we all stayed here in atlanta yep. so that's yeah. all a good thing well thanks for joining us you bet buddy. thank thanks you for having me. appreciate thanks, it man Our thanks again to your fellow 95 World Series champion, Mark Wallers, for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Greg, uh, we're, we're 
on into June now. Uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff going on. Uh, we officially announced second the, the second uh, fantasy camp. We're going to have two this year, which is great. So that's going to be what November second to the seventh. Mm-hmm. So they can great. go on. Everybody can go online and check that out. Yep. Correct. Braves.com slash fantasy camp. Uh, the one in January is sold out. Okay. Because everybody who missed out this year because of COVID just decided to keep their deposits down for next January. So because we had so many people interested in it, I opened up a a new camp and that's in November. That's the date we got. And we're hoping that that's going to be a date we, we keep for many years to come. So really looking forward to that. So yeah, if you're interested, check out the website, you can email me uh, if you have any questions about it, but it's pretty self-explanatory, but you may have, uh, may have some, you know, questions based on your personal uh what's going on with you so uh, just let me know i'd love to talk to you about it it's a blast it's one of the greatest things that i get to do and we have uh, just a lot of fun down at our northport facility well as i've said before I, i'm planning on weaseling my way down there to join you <laughs> for at least part of the time if not the whole time because yeah. it's just i just enjoy being there as well so looking forward to that uh and if you if you can't make it to Braves Fantasy Camp, or maybe if you want to do both of these things, uh, Brave for a Day is a really fun thing we do here at Truist Park, correct? Yes. So July 8th, I've got 25 spots for uh, whoever wants to come out. It's Of course, it's adult-driven, so it's 25 and older, and we take you through kind of a mini fantasy camp. I've got Marquise Grissom. Terry Pendleton and Charlie Liebrandt. They're going to be taking us through some drills. Then we have on the field, you get to hit live, do some fielding, do some pitching in the bullpen. Then we're going to go into Truist, uh, the Truist Club, have lunch, do a Q&A, autographs, pictures with the guys, and then you'll get to go on a tour, give you a jersey and a bat, and it's just a lot of fun. So it's kind of a mini fantasy camp. It's a one-day event from 10 to 2. Uh, here at Truist Park on July 8th. You can go to braves.com slash brave for a day and uh, check out check out uh, the information on that. That is probably the second most fun thing that I get the chance to do. Nice. And um, just because it's just people loving baseball and getting outside and enjoying the game and getting to hear from some great alumni and it, it's a lot of fun. So check that out and let me know if you have any questions. I think that's what maybe what I ended up loving so much about my time. I got to come down visit at fantasy camp is it, it is that just you're, everybody's kind of bound together by that love of baseball and Braves baseball in particular. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes kind of this, this family, this one big family that are all getting to do this, have this incredible experience together. So whether you can, you know, you want to go down to Northport and do it for a week, or if you can, you know, schedule whatever only allows you can only do it for a day or maybe you want to try it out for a day and before you do the whole week brave for a day is a great option for that mm-hmm. so definitely check that out and then and again i just it's so exciting that i'm still very much in the uh the 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 honeymoon phase of like it just feels so good to be back and have people around and be getting back to our normal lives uh, we're just we've got all these events and all these things happening and it just feels so great to be talking about and promoting them uh, so this is something I don't believe we've we've promoted here on behind the Braves well, that's brand new this year brand new okay so tell us about it it's a pretty cool deal you've got here yeah so uh, we have the leadership speaker series and we have three or four I'm sorry four alumni that are going to be talking about some current topics um, Tom Glavin's going to be speaking on July 15th we have Dale Murphy on July 
July 29th. And then we have uh, Terry Pendleton and Sid Bream both doing a talk together on September 21st. And um, you can go to braves.com slash speaker series and check out what they're going to be speaking on. And uh, we'd love to have you come out. You can buy one event. You can buy all three of them at a discount. And we potentially have a fourth uh, engagement in August, but uh, waiting to confirm that first. But right now, those guys are on sale. Uh, they have a lot to say about leadership and teamwork and success and um, the the current culture of the game and um, how that might relate to you and your business. I think uh, these guys um, are very interesting in some of the, some of the topics that they're going to be talking on. Looking forward to this. this is something I've been I envisioned uh, a while ago. Was really hoping that we were, it was going to come into fruition that we were going to be able to put together a speaker series. And so um, we have it now, and I would love to have you be a part of it. We've only got 200 seats for it. It's going to be in the Infinity Club. And oh, nice. obviously okay. there'll be lunch. There'll be a little gift for you on the way out. Um, but come and hang out with us, have lunch here at the ballpark, listen to these guys and their talk, and um, love for you to be a part of it. That sounds great. That's going to be really fun. I remember years ago, uh, I think I was still, still in high school, uh, my dad and I went to um, – uh, a similar kind of deal um, to see Magic Johnson speak. Mm. And he spoke for about an hour, however long it was. We went to see him uh, in University of Virginia at the old basketball arena. But it wasn't, it was just they had a little block of seats in the arena and set it up in there. So it was kind of the same deal, about 200 people, I think. Mm-hmm. And that was at least 20 years ago, maybe longer. And I still remember some of the things he talked about in that speech, just because he covered everything from his career to diagnosis to business, leadership. And there are still life lessons that I've taken from listening to him speak that oh, day nice. that I just that I, I'll every now and then I'll come back to. So I think that's a, this is hearing these guys speak here for the Braves uh, speaker series. I think that's that's a great nice. opportunity for anybody who wants to check that out. Mm. So looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Okay, what you got? Tennessee and Virginia College World Series. Oh boy! <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm there is a bet on the line, a gentleman's bet of lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've already kind of if if I lose and have to buy you lunch, if my Wahoo's we're not going fun, to Crystal, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we will go. To well, maybe we will. <laughs> I've I've reconciled it in my mind that I think in our three year partnership in this deal i think you've paid for a lot more of my lunches than i have yours so i'm like well it's, if i lose this one i um you know I, I it's it's not like i didn't know you one anyways <laughs> but i don't intend to lose that being said yeah uh, what, give me the scouting report on the on the cavaliers all you need to know about the cavaliers is what we do is we show up and we win championships oh, okay. that's really all you need to okay. know okay well this is baseball now you know well we won one of those in 2015 oh wow that's right that's right wow. actually fun fun fact uh they play uh, in the championship series in 14 and 15, lost in 14, won it in 15. Really? Do you know who they, the Virginia Cavaliers faced in those two championship series? South Carolina? Uh, Vanderbilt. Oh, and okay. the star player for Vanderbilt of both oh. those teams was Dansby Swanson. Oh. Wow. I believe he was the, I think Dansby was the most valuable player of the, the World Series when Vanderbilt won in 2014. Mm. Um, I'll be, to be perfectly honest with you, just I haven't been able to watch much as nearly as much of Virginia baseball this year as, as I've, like it's a fun team mm. you know i don't know i don't know how far they'll go if i'm being i'm trying to be objective about it but uh i didn't realize they were a powerhouse program i mean tennessee hasn't been there since back uh when i was in the big leagues back in 95 i think the last time they were in the world series and we've never won a world series um 
I think we were runner up in 51 or 57 or something like that. But, but yeah, this team's pretty exciting. I mean, they hit a lot, hit the long ball for sure. I mean, they had a bunch of home runs in that game against LSU in the super region and the coach is a young, exciting, and he's turned that program around and uh, they've got some good young pitching and they even lost one of their best pitchers at the beginning of the season. So they've really rallied and, and it uh, looks like they're, you know, the momentum is, is in the right direction for them. So I'm not getting overly confident because I've watched, I have gotten to watch Tennessee a couple times and I, I think they're, I think they're really good. Mm-hmm. So I think, I tell you this, I think it's going to be a fun matchup between us. Uh, as much as you and I have talked about Tennessee and Virginia over the years, like this is kind of the first time in any of our sports or the sports that you and I like yeah. pay a lot of attention to that they've clashed. So it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to, you've got, you've got multiple bets on this game from what I hear mm-hmm. here in the office. So there's, you're either going to be. These Cavaliers are coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> I didn't know they were, I mean, I've, I've made my stance known, I'm, but they seem like the Virginia people only come out when they're winning. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, listen, I can't speak for any other who's. I can I can speak for uh the the UMBC jokes I endured for 13 months after the basketball team lost in 18 uh and, and among other things. Well, I, it was I, worth it after you guys Oh, it was it. worth it. Yeah. No, it it's going to be fun. I I loved uh, if you haven't seen it, I love the video Tennessee put out with with Peyton Manning and Omaha. I mean, oh that was yeah, so that's, perfect. and their coach is great. So looking forward to it. Uh, I actually I actually watched uh, Virginia. Uh, cl- let's see, clinch their trip to the Super Regional. I had lunch uh, here in the Battery. I was just by myself. Walked over mm. there, had, ordered a bunch of wings and cheese curds, and watched uh, watched Virginia beat uh, Old Dominion. I think it was, yeah, to clinch the super regional. So I'm just having fun watching this team, mm. like you have Tennessee. So we'll have some fun this week. Well, before the game, come to my office because we'll, it'll be on before we have to do Alumni Sunday. Got Charlie Lee Brandt. Okay. This Sunday, Father's Day, um, here in the Plaza. So and he'll be we'll be broadcasting it into the stadium. So look forward to that. And then, uh, but before we go out on stage come over to the office and we'll watch some of the Tennessee Virginia guys. I think it starts at 2 o'clock. Perfect. So we don't have to be out uh, outside till um, like 6 o'clock. So it, it might be over. It'll probably be over by then unless they're going to extra innings. Everybody, the people that are here in the office on Saturday are going to be wondering what all the yelling is going <laughs> on down right. the hall. That's, that's, that's right. Alright. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Alright, thanks again to Mark Rollers for joining us and uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next week on Behind the Braves. Hey, Braves country, we just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.